Uh, these last three weeks, we've kind of taken a, a slow burn through the final chapter here of Philippians. I, I thought I'd preach all these verses that I'm going to end with today, uh, starting in verse 1 and ending in verse 13 in one week. And then I said, maybe not. Uh, this is going to be more of a, a, a smoked uh, 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 brisket than a, uh, a, a, a steakum. Is that a, I, don't, I just made that up. Anyway, uh, uh, we're, we, so we've been kind of just walking through as much as we can do every week. And I'll, I'll do the same today. I'll promise you I'll get through as many verses as I can. And if we don't get to them all, we'll just trust that God has uh, more for us in later times together. Now we started in uh, verses 1 and 2 here in chapter 4. Um, talking about some ladies who were bent out of shape with each other. We don't know what their, uh, their problem was, but Paul told them, Yodia and Syntyche, um, uh, agree in the Lord, and how important that was for us as a church to continue to agree in the Lord and to work through our, our, our differences. Last week we talked about this uh, as we got to the, the next verses in the, in the chapter. We, we, uh, we said that when life uh, goes dim, uh, when people experience uh, the dim side, we have this default. When life happens, our default is the dim side. Everybody remember them? I didn't make you stand up, but we talked about going dark. Anybody remember that? And then getting mean, right? And then freaking out, right? Uh, these are the human defaults that we have uh, as the result of sin coming into the world. We, we don't look to God and trust him. We look to ourselves and find ourselves wanting. So uh, we have been taught, as those who crawl, follow Christ, that when life happens, we don't choose the dim side, we choose the bright side. We don't go dark. Everybody do it with me. We don't go dark. We rejoice in the Lord always, right? And, and we don't get mean, right? We remain calm. And we honor those around us. We honor on. And then we don't freak out. We pray peace in. We talked about those last week. Well, what we face in these next verses are an additional four commands, four imperatives that Paul gives. And so we're going to unpack those today. Uh, the first one is the key to them all. So everybody pay attention. We need to think like Jesus. Uh, the mind has been a point of emphasis in this letter up to this point. Paul's used this Greek word phrone. Uh, to um, encourage the Philippians, it's the word for mine. He's used it 10 times already in this little letter. Uh, he, he talks in other ways about thinking and remembering. He's, he's especially concerned with what's going on between their ears. It says in verse 2 of chapter 2 uh, that he wants them to complete his joy by being of the same, say it with me, mind and having the same love and being in full accord. And one more time, of one mind. All of those things are important, but he repeats one of them twice. Have the same mind. Think right. Think like Jesus, as we're going to see him uh, entail here. In this next verse, a few verses later in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, he says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Did you know that when you became a Christian, Jesus wrapped up a new mind for you? And he, he gave it to you as well as the salvation that you received. Here's a new way to think. Here's a new way to process life. Use this brain, not your old one. Have this mind, which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's where I get this whole thing like Jesus thing. When, when he goes into this verse that we're hearing in chapter 4, verse 8, he's describing the mind of Christ. How the mind of Christ works. What it processes and how it processes. This verse, verse 8, details the superlative standards sought by those 
who would process life with the mind of Christ. Everybody ready? Maybe you've heard it before. How many have, how many have read this one before? Anybody heard this one? It starts with the word finally. Uh, Paul's a good preacher. He doesn't mean finally here at all. He's got 14 more verses that he's going to write, right? So uh, this Greek word is often translated finally, but it can, can also mean uh, above all else. Not just in addition to or last in the list, but above all else. This is the biggie. Finally. And then he gives a list. Eight things. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Read them with me. Here will be fun. Whatever is just. Whatever is pure. Whatever is lovely. Whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence. If there is anything worthy of praise. Think about these things. This is the mind of Christ. Eight things, all seemingly related. Certainly they are. Synonyms, for sure. As we uh, get ready to kind of discover what each one means, let me do this first. Can we all agree that our minds determine us? Like what happens up here happens out here and happens from here. And uh, it can, just our our thoughts trigger or trump our emotions. Isn't that true? You've ever had to calm yourself down? That's your brain working on your feelings. Now, last week we said this, don't freak out, right, but pray peace in. That choice to pray instead of freaking out, that's your mind doing that. Our thoughts shape our wills and the directions that we go in life. Last week we said, don't go dark. We said, rejoice in the Lord always. That choice is made in your noggin, and it will shape uh, the direction of your life. Our thoughts certainly precipitate every one of our actions. You know, you can't blame someone else for what you did. Everybody gets that, right? You made me is not a true statement. No one's ever made you do anything unless they, well, everybody's like, well, what about? If they grabbed your hands and shoved the cupcake in your face, like I, I, was, I, was, I was in China for my 30th birthday, and that's a tradition there. They, they light a candle and a cupcake, and, they, and, and there it's funny for the birthday person to have the cupcake. So I'm at the Hard Rock Cafe in Beijing, and I got a cupcake jammed in my face by a Chinese waiter, and I wanted to punch him, but my mind precipitated my actions in that situation. Don't start an international (laughs) uh, event here, Mark. Uh, Take the cupcake. How did I get on the cupcake? Anyway, uh, uh, but our thoughts precipitate our actions. I was saying if someone jams in here. Okay, is everybody with me on that? So if we say don't get mean but stay calm and on or on, that's, that's a choice that your brain's making before your actions launch. So God gives Paul these eight standards to help us check our motives in life, make sure we're doing things for the right reasons, frame our manner of life, certainly, make sure we're doing the right actions, establish what's moral in life. That all starts up here. The correct code, the right reasons, the right actions. It starts up here with these eight words. So here we go. Let's walk through them. Paul says, whatever is true. Finally, whatever is true. Lots of lists in the Bibles. Uh, some of them may not have, you know, first things first. I think this one does. Whatever's true is appropriately placed at the top of Paul's list. All the words that follow can be used to describe God's truth, right? It's, uh, 
uh, noble and perfect and, and uh, lovely. I, I'm messing up the words because I've read all these translations this week. But uh, all of those words can enhance or describe the truth that we are called to think in first. I think it's first also because it's the thing we mess up the most as humans. We have a problem with truth right now in the world. Always have, but it's growing <laughs> greater in, 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 its, in its scope. People have a hard time discerning and choosing God's objective truth. I'll call it truth big T. That's got to be first if we're going to think right. We've got to know the truth and choose it. I remember uh, teaching our kids in uh, T-ball how to run the bases. What's the first thing you learn in running the bases? It's not in how to, you know, run correct with form or how to slide or how to, like, take a little wide arc as you turn to, you know, hit the base. The first thing you learn is go that way, not that way, right? First base is to your right, which most of them don't have that yet, but first base is over there. That's third base. You're going to get there after going to second, but please, as you hit the ball, your first move, four-year-old, is run that way. Who's been to the t-ball game where Junior finally hits the ball? He's so excited he hit the ball, he forgot where he was, and he ran to third, and his parents, you know, oh, he's not ours. He's a dog. And this is the first thing. Run to first. Get the truth right. For most in our world today, it's alarming. If you look at the statistics, I didn't, but you should. Uh, back, back about 15 years ago when Barna did a study, 72% of the people that he uh, uh, polled said that truth was relative. It's relative. It's up to me is what that means. It's not from your relatives. It's up to me what I say truth is. It's, uh, it's this idea. Whatever I think is true is true. You can have your truth. I can have mine. We're both right. Okay, if you've ever been to science class uh, and you've, uh, you know, <laughs> involved yourself in the uh, awareness of what ab absolute or objective truth is, that's just a patently false statement about truth. You can't be right and I can't be right when it's four plus four is eight and you think it's seven, right? It's just, it just doesn't work. And we would say that, yeah, but when it comes to the bigger questions, truth is what I say. Convenient for everybody, Right? allows them to live however they'd like. But what they're doing is they're confusing truth with preference. Anybody here got some preferences? You all sat where you're sitting. Why? Because that's where you like it. You used to sit over there, but now you sit over there. Preference changed. It's not that this is the only place I can sit. I just liked it here, right? Like I like the Red Sox. Meat lovers pizza. Come on. And I like golf. Some of you like the Rays. You like ham and pineapple pizza. Who put the pineapple on the pizza? That's disgusting. That's dessert. My preferences are coming up. You like the Rays, ham and pineapple pizza, and some of you just don't understand anyone who golfs. Why would you waste your time and money doing that? Okay. Thank you, sir. <laughs> that was my wife saying amen as well. All right. Uh, <laughs> these are preferences and we're, we're full of them we've got all kinds of preferences it doesn't make them right but when it comes to objective truth there is right and all the other stuff 
In his meeting with Jesus before his crucifixion, I don't know if you've ever studied this in John 18, you can read it in verse 38, uh, he and Pontius Pilate, Jesus uh, is conferring and not saying a whole lot, but what he does say, he, he talks about truth and in verse 38, Pontius Pilate says this or asks this question, what is truth? It's like almost the entire verse, what's truth? It's in your Bibles, and it's been in your hearts and mine and every human's heart since humans existed. What's true? In the garden, we had it, but then someone told us a lie, and we've been wrestling trying to figure it out ever since. Jesus has already answered Pontius's, uh, Pontius's? Pilate's question when he said this to his friends just a few chapters before in chapter 14 of John. He says, I am the way and the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through me. Jesus answered our question for us. He's the truth. What he says is the truth. What he has revealed is the truth. That's why God has gone on and uh, uh, revealed himself in his word to us. Where uh, the world says that truth is relative, we Christians say that truth is revealed. We got it. By the grace of God, he's handed it to us in his word. And I know people take shots and water down and rule out certain things. But I believe that God in his word has given us his truth. He certainly believed that as he was talking to his followers from Israel back in Deuteronomy chapter 6, he said this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your, everybody say it with me, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Who's heard that one before, right? That's where it starts. It's our love, our affection. And he says, these words I command you today shall be on your heart. And then he goes on and he says, I want you to teach them diligently to your children uh, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. These are God's, uh, some of God's first mnemonic devices, memory devices. Here's how I want you to remember this stuff. I want you to, uh, Wrap it on your arms. I want you to, uh, you know, put boxes on your heads and, and then graffiti your house. Take my words and write them anywhere, everywhere. Um, the Jews, especially the Orthodox Jews, have taken this to heart. And for thousands of years, they have actually, by the letter, to the letter of, of what this is pres uh, prescribed, uh, they have chosen it. I don't know if it's shown behind me, but yeah, th this is one of the guys. I don't know if it's the actual guy, but these, these guys were all at the Western Wall in Israel when we were there. They were all hanging out, um, you know, praying. And they would actually take leather straps and wrap verses in them and wrap them around their heads. They had this box. It's called a phylactery. Uh, and they actually had this actual box with, with a verse on a scroll inside the box as a symbol of them putting the word of God in their minds, right, uh, as they prayed there. Now, um, what they have taken literally, we need to take figuratively. I'm not saying everybody's got to go home and find a little box, okay, and start wrapping straps around their hands. But I am saying what God has revealed he wants in our heads, he wants it in our hearts. We must know and choose the truth of God. That's why it's first. And these other words describe it as we seek the mind of Christ. Seek his truth. Seek it because it's honorable. This is the Greek word semna, 
from whence we get our word seminal, not seminal, Florida State, but seminal, as in uh, a seminal work, a, a, a set the standard type work, a gold standard work. It means, in other translations, noble or next level, a notch above the norm, right? Like uh, uh, the Christ life uh, seeks thoughts that are like world record champion thoughts. Anybody know what the world record is right now in the 100 meter dash? Usain Bolt landed like a, a few years ago. It's 9.58 seconds. I don't know if I could reach my office, uh, which is just behind this stage in that amount of time. Uh, it's pretty fast, right? But that is a semna, a standard setter for sprinters in our world. And so when Paul commends the, the mind of Christ, he says, let it be a notch above the norm, uh, a, a standard for all to see and follow. He says, whatever's um, honorable, whatever's just is next. It's the Greek word dikaia. It means right or just so or in place. Anybody that kind of person where you're walking a room and you're like, something's not right. Anybody see crooked pictures everywhere they go? We have scientific words for you, but uh, retentive is the end. But uh, uh, but you have a, a, a proclivity for just so, and, and when it comes to the thoughts that we're meant to have, they're meant to be just so. I remember going into Domino's as a college uh, sophomore, and it was the first time they had put up pictures of the pizzas for all the Domino's pizza makers to, to look at. It, it, the first one's just the crust, which comes out kind of pre-made, but then they, you have a picture of the sauce and how the cheese should look. And then here's where, have you ever noticed that uh, like a pizza place, they have all of their, to- they're supposed to have all of their toppings in certain spots. They're supposed to look a certain way. And it's so, I can just imagine, never worked at Domino's, if you have, maybe you got this, I could just imagine the manager on the first night, just follow the picture. Just do what you see and put the things on this pizza in the right place. So we look at God's revealed word. He's called us to have a mind that is just and seeks to have life in the right place. Whatever's pure, uh, it's the Greek word hagna. It means no Klingons, no stains, no one un- unwanted passengers after lunch. Is anybody else like me? You can always tell what I had by lunch or for lunch by looking at the front of my shirt when I'm done. As hard as I try, I always end up dribbling some. Sorry if that disappoints you. But isn't that funniest about us as humans? Like if I know I got a spot on my shirt, you may never see it. I, I, I am so aware of that spot on my shirt, right? Because it's just not supposed to be there. It sends a message that I'm a pig, which I am. But uh, I, I need pure. And when our thoughts are being formed in our mind, God wants our thoughts to be pure. He, pure. he wants them to be lovely. This is a great word. I didn't know this. You ever read the Bible? Like, I've read this verse a ton of times. It's one of those verses I throw in a lot of sermons. But do you know what the word lovely means here? It's the Greek word. Prophileo, right? Like phileo fish? No, that's not true. But uh, anybody know what the Greek word phileo is? It's brotherly love, like Philadelphia. And so this is pro for brotherly love. What an amazing word to describe the thoughts that we're meant to have. You know what, you know what Paul just dropped on us? It's a word that doesn't occur very frequently in our Bibles or in Greek at all. He kind of made it up. He says, when you think, you should think the thoughts that will produce and foment the most brotherly love. How would that change your life and mine if we could just do that? How many fights would be avoided in our marriage, in our homes, if, if our first instinct, our first thought is like, how can I say this in such a way that it produces love instead of anger? 
that it satisfies my, my, uh, my human selfish want to harm, instead brings health and peace to our relationship. Whatever's lovely, prophileo, think of that. Whatever's commendable, commendable is the Greek word ephemera. It's where we, or excuse me, it's not the Greek word ephemera. It's the Greek word euphema, like where we get euphemism. Anybody ever used a euphemism? A euphemism is saying it nicely, saying, as, saying it as best as you can. She's not sick. She's under the weather. Under the weather. Where did we get this saying, under the weather? We're all under the weather, right? I mean, the, the weather's happening, and we're all under it. I, someone looked that up for me. I, I wrote that down, but I was like, I don't even know what that means. Uh, how about this one? He's not a liar. He's just creative with the truth. Now, let's not do that. Let's not, you know... Um, Let's confront that rather than create a better version of it. But, uh, but that's what our minds are meant to do. Uh, my, my old preacher, Pete, used to, used to say, give people the benefit of the grace, right? When, when, you come, when it comes to thinking about each other, start with grace. Start with the good. Assume the best in people, right? Not like to be, you know, uh, uh, gullible or anything like that. I'm not saying don't be wise. I'm just saying start at good, and move forward from there. If you find out they're not, deal with that. But start with good. Because if you start it bad, you're already behind an eight ball, right? You're already behind in the relationship because you haven't started with the mind of Christ, which is good. You know, it's what made Jesus walk into the situations he walked into with optimism. He hung out with the worst, the dregs of society, the prostitutes and the drunkards. He didn't go in there to be like them or to, to do what they were doing. He was like, I see the good. I want the good. He was euphema in his mind. Still is. He says, and these, are, these are kind of the big wrap-ups. Those are the first six. But the big wrap-ups are this. Uh, if there's any excellence, if there's anything uh, that is um, excellent, and, and, and this is kind of in, in, in the view of God, in his you know, uh, scope of things, choose what he says is excellent. Made me think of, uh, this Greek word basically means fine-tuned. Made me think of NASCAR. I'm not a big NASCAR fan, but to my understanding, all the cars are meant to be the same. They all have the same specs, the same governors or whatever works on it. And the car that usually wins has the best driver and then certainly has the best team that has tuned that machine up to the point where it can function at its highest level. And so your minds, my mind, needs to have excellence, fine-tunedness in it. And then finally, anything worthy of praise. That's the Greek word, hepanos. Uh, it's uh, best in the class. Uh, it, 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 it's a little different than the other ones, though. I don't know if you noticed that. All the other ones kind of can stand by themselves. Worthy of praise involves other people, Right? These are the things uh, that people see in you uh, or, or uh, uh, commend in you and say, man, that's good. So, Kevin, if you had a screen over your head right now that was showing me your thoughts, I could see them and I would say, hey, what's going on inside Kevin's noodle? That's praiseworthy. How are you at that? First of all, none of us want the screen. Amen? Anybody with me on that? All right? That'd be way too much, you know, uh, accountability. But what would appear on it, even as you're smiling and doing all the things that you know, what's going on in your brain? Is it the kind of thing that people would see and be like, that's awesome. These are the things we aspire to. This is the mind of Christ. Put another way, the Christ mind filters out the world stuff. 
The Christ mind filters the world stuff out. Every uh, Sunday we make potatoes, sometimes other days. Um, but our father, and my father-in-law, Eleanor's dad, live with us, with us and, and we feed him out of the, uh, the fridge most nights, right? Just We cook it all on Monday, and then we just make him a plate from what we've made. Sorry if that offends your sensibilities, but uh, that's how we roll. And so I've gotten really good at making mashed potatoes. They're not as good as my cookies, but they're, they're okay. And uh, there's an important process in making the mashed potatoes. We boil ours. I think that's how you do that. Uh, and then we use this thing. What is it? It's a colander, and you take the big pot of mashed potatoes over to the sink, and you dump the potatoes in this. All the water drains out. You throw this in there. You throw three sticks of butter. And, no, I'm just I'm kidding. That's real. Okay. Ooh, I got hungry just then. All right. Uh, but we understand this. How many people made coffee this morning? Did anybody chew on the grinds as you were drinking your coffee? No, we got these things called filters, whether it's your Keurig or some other system. It filters the big chunks out so you can enjoy the, the, uh, the smooth, crisp taste, right? Uh, so this, listen, this is the mind that we've been called to have. I w- take a picture if you want. I want you to remember this. This is the mind we've been called to have. It's a mind that filters out the world. And seeks only, do I look that silly? Some of you are laughing really hard. I didn't look in the mirror. This, this is what the Christ mind looks like. It filters out what's not supposed to be there and chooses only what Christ would have us think. I'll take it off. That's why Paul wrote this to the Romans. Don't be conformed to this world. Filter it out. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what's good and acceptable and perfect. Strain out the world stuff, leave the Jesus stuff, and off you go. Now, let's be careful. I'm almost done with this first one. (laughs) Let's be careful. Paul isn't saying to only think overtly Christian things. Because some people have read this verse and thought, ah, Amish, that's what I'll be. I don't know if they thought that in the initial. But that's kind of where those sectarian separatist movements in the Christian faith took us, right? I'm going to just, you know, uh, d- d- just detach from the entire world and live in a place where it's best possible for me to only think the right things. Now, I'm not downing them for doing that. If that's how they want to live, fine. But I don't believe that's what Paul is teaching here so that Amish or angry Baptist or anybody else that's separatist uh, has this right to say you're wrong and we're right and we're doing it right because we're over here and all we do is you know, focus on these overtly Christian things. It's great to do that. Please don't hear me say don't. But if that is only, you've missed the point of what Paul's saying. In fact, Paul and Jesus and the rest who followed him were very much engaged with the world that they were in. They weren't separating. They were going to, right? And they were uh, seeking the ways that they might bring the truth into the false truths of the world around them. That's why Paul in Acts, uh, Acts, 6, 17, Acts 17 starts wandering around the streets of Athens. He's just looking for someone to talk, like our kids in Flagstaff. Someone to talk about this truth that he has, that is the one truth. The truth, big T. Sometimes we can become so heavenly minded, I heard this you know, growing up, that we become no earthly good. And that's not what Jesus is saying. He doesn't want you to unwisely and frivolously fly into the world, but he wants you to wisely and with his mind engage the world and bring his truth to it. 
So in the second world, uh, secular world, think with the mind of Christ. Let's go to some of the touch points. In politics, look at me, look at me. You are neither Democrat nor Republican first. You are Christian. Does everybody hear me? I'm not going to, you know, litigate every plank of every position of each party. All I will tell you, when it comes time to vote, you're with Jesus. And you pray to him and you seek his word and what he's revealed, you vote that direction, no matter what label humans put on it. Are you with me? And social issues. We do what the word of God tells us, not what the world says is right. Not what the world says the word tells us. In entertainment, we can love movies, comedy shows, podcasts. We can listen to them, but there needs to be a discerning ear in those things. To the point where we say, hey, that's, that's, a, that's too far. Eleanor and I went to a, a comedy show uh, before we moved here in Dallas, Texas. We were so looking forward to it. We had little kids, little budget. We finally got a night where we could go and sit in this big, you know, kind of like uh, the whatever that thing is by the highway over there that people sit in, the amphitheater, right? This big amphitheater in, uh, in Dallas, and it was this big lineup of comedians, and the first two or three were, were you know, some questionable things, but for the most part, just straight hilarious, we laughed our heads off. This one guy got up, and it just got beyond the pale raunchy. Been in that show? And we're sitting there, and I'm sitting next to my bride, who I love and who I want to, you know, be a good, uh, um, you know, whatever, a good Christian husband too. And she's sitting next to her husband. She wants to be a good Christian wife too. And we're both feeling the same things. We got to get out of here. Like this ain't it. This has gone too far. And so we stood up at the risk of the comedian seeing us, which is always fun. But uh, we stood up and walked out of this show, not in some kind of like, oh, dirt, you know, dirt off our shoes or something like that. But just like, no, this ain't it. This is not what I'm supposed to subject the mind of Christ to. We're out. And so I'm not going to be up here telling you which ratings you can see and all those kinds of things. I'm just going to tell you, love God, uh, you know, be sensitive to his spirit, and when it's gone beyond, get out. And draw the lines that you need to draw. In the spiritual realm, this is true as well. Paul's already warned the Philippians to be careful about the false ideas that can seep into the church. He told them in chapter 3, verse 2, look out for the dogs, the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He was almost assuredly talking about this, this idea in the early church that said you had to be Jewish if you were going to be Christian. And he says, look out. Be sharp in your heads to identify these falsehoods. It could be your, your cousin or your best friend telling you these things. But don't be won over by those arguments Know the truth, choose the truth, and look out for what isn't. Basically, it comes down to ruts and grooves. You know the difference? Ruts lead you into destruction, and grooves lead you into what's right. That's why Jesus, when he's talking about the life that he gives, he calls it a narrow road. It's a groove you've got to find that leads to life. But there's this big, wide rut that most people on, that leads to destruction. Think like Jesus. These next ones, we'll do as many as we can. Act like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Paul says this, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Wait, Mark. 
Doesn't say anything about Jesus there. Paul just said, act like me. The things you've heard and seen. Uh, do, do, do like me. What are you talking about, Mark? Where do you get Jesus out of that? Well, in other parts of Paul's writings, like this one in 1 Corinthians, he makes it very clear as he calls those that he is writing to to follow him. He says, be imitators of me as I am an imitator of Christ, right? I'm looking at the picture that is Jesus, and I'm trying to become that. And so you can look at the picture that is me, and not with you know, 100% accuracy, but for the most part, you can move forward in your life as a disciple by listening to and watching what I've done. He says, practice what I've taught, practice what I've preached, and practice what you've heard me say, whether it's one-on-one in large settings, uh, in, in life groups, the things that you hear that are true, the things that, you, uh, you know, uh, uh, that fall out of my face, uh, take them as God's wisdom and apply them to your lives. Um, lots of attention here given to Philippians, paying attention, right? Uh, it's because mishearing leads to misinterpreting, leads to misliving. I don't know if that's a word, but that's what happens. Anybody ever thought you heard, you know, someone in your life say, uh, you know, uh, here's how you get to such and such a place, and you mixed up your left and your rights, and you didn't use your GPS, and all of a sudden you're like in, I don't know, Georgia, and they're down in the Keys. I don't, uh, hopefully you figured it out before then. But we've got to listen well. We have children's listening games uh, to help us understand this. I'll do this, and we'll, we'll finish with this one. Anybody ever played Simon Says? Yeah. Uh, we're going to play Simon Says. We're starting right now, so I need everybody to stand up. Can everybody stand up, please? Stand up. Come on. All right, you're all out. You're all out. Sit down. I've done that like three times here, haven't I? I've done that like three times. You didn't do it, did you? I know you didn't do it, man. Yeah, I said we're starting the game right now, and then I said stand up, and none of you paid attention to the fact that I didn't say Simon Says. Ha, 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 but it's true. We're not very good at listening. Not very good at, as we're reading God's revel, uh, revealed word, you know, really um, grasping it and heeding what he says. Uh, we need to listen mimic those who are uh, around us following Jesus. Can I leave you with this? That's all we got to today. I'll preach this. I'm gone for a week. I'll come back and I'll preach the rest of this. Cool? All right. Thank you. Your, listen, okay. Some of you are here this morning. Maybe you don't know Jesus yet. I'm so glad you're here. I would love to introduce you to him, explain how you can have life with him. All of the things that I say are kind of, especially in this, you know, sermon are, are in the context of you knowing him, right? And if you don't, uh, that's where we start. So if you want to come up and hang out after the service, you got the time, you do. You have, look, look at me, listen to me if I'm talking to you. You've got the time to make the most important choice you'll ever make in your life, okay? Come and talk to me or talk to someone in our prayer room, figure this out, all right? But for the rest of us who know Jesus, certainly we need to think like him, right? We need to, uh, you know, have the mind of Christ, and choose to live this way as we walk, right? And then Paul says, what you've seen and heard in me, do these things. And certainly we need to look at Paul and others like him who are, you know, varsity Christians and emulate who they are. But listen, can you hear this please for me, your pastor? Everybody in here should be somebody's Paul. Everybody, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to have the mindset. I'm not, because why do we act uh, you know, like Jesus. Well, it honors Jesus, first and foremost, right? Obedience would honor him. Everybody agree with me? 
Okay, it's what he wants, and so it's what he wants, it's what he gets. We honor him. And, and certainly it leads us to the best life that we can have in him, right? Uh, uh, if, if he's right, and he is, and, and he knows what's best for us, and he does, to choose it is to receive from him what only he can give, the best life that we can have. So we honor him, we honor ourselves. But the part that sometimes people are missing is they don't understand that for me to think like Jesus and act like Jesus has an impact on those around me. And so if my kids, parents, wave at me, if my kids see Jesus in me, that's a guarantee huh, that they're going to always follow him, but increases the chances that they will. And if they ever do leave, it increases the chances that they'll come back, which I'm holding to. Now, if, even if you're not a parent, you're going to go to work tomorrow, and guess what? You are Jesus to that world, and how you live and what you say and the things that you do are either showing him out or hiding him from those who need him most. And so I ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, man, think like Jesus. Act like Jesus. We'll get to the rest next time. Who's grateful for Jesus? Anybody? Let's sing our gratitude to him as we close this morning. Here we go. Mm-hmm.